Welcome to Print Software Optimization Strategies During the COVID-19 Pause. I'm Ginger Schlanger, I'm DScoop's Learning and Development Manager. And uh, leading us today will be Jennifer Mack and Jane Mumford. You've probably read a little bit about them from web to print experts on the events page. Couple of quick notes before we get started. Everyone is on mute as we begin just to minimize background no noise. Um, if you'd like to ask a question, you're very much encouraged to do so. You'll see the Q&A window at the bottom of your screen. If you could post them there, that'll ensure that we see them throughout the, um, throughout the webinar. And we'll also catch them at the end and the Q&A. But if they're relevant to what you're hearing, please feel free to post them then and we'll stop and ask Jennifer and Jane to take a look at those and answer them for you. Also wanted to let you know that we're recording today. The recording along with the PowerPoint presentation will be available in a day or two on dscoop.com. We'll send out notices and push notifications for that. And if you have questions after the webinar or if you or someone you know is watching the recording, we have some links that you can post your questions to on the Collaborate forums on dscoop.com and you can email us at hello at dscoop.org. And now I'm going to turn it over to Jennifer and to Jane who are going to lead us through today's software optimization webinar. Thank you, Jane, and thank you, Jen. Um, thanks, Ginger. I just bring our pictures back up. Um, uh, don't worry, people confuse us all the time because our names are, are so similar, but I'm, I'm Jennifer Matt, and um, I'll be leading part of the presentation. Um, my specialty is, uh, is overall print strategy around software, and then, and then really on the front end, um, web to print, e-commerce, um, order entry, um, and then I'll let Jane introduce herself. Hi, everyone. Um, so Jane Mugford, and my specialty is more on uh, everything to do with the, the print management information that runs your business, both on the operational side and the finance side, and, and how you can leverage your data to make decisions uh, moving forward. So I, I just want to tell you that we, you know, we, Jane and I are working with a lot of printers. Um, we were working with a lot of printers before this COVID um, virus crisis happened, and we're working with a lot of them now. And in preparation for this, um, we we are just we just brainstormed ideas of what what printers are asking us to work with them on now, and what we know from our experience that we know is important, but it's um, but it's often get put off due to other priorities, right? Because in a print business, the top priority is always getting the jobs out the door or getting new sales in the door. And so I know that there's a lot of anxiety and stress at multiple levels in everyone's life right now. But what we've also find is that some people can find it very cathartic to focus on something other than the global pandemic. And so um, this is just our kind of smorgasbord of ideas some may or may not apply to you. So we just kind of, we're just hoping you'd listen in and maybe cherry pick a few good things from our overall recommendations that are relevant to you. Um, so I'll start by just saying the very first and most important thing is that, is, is what we see is printer, print businesses buy a lot of software, but very, the, the real differentiation isn't about what software you bought, the real differentiation is how much expertise you build internally around the software you purchased. So when we see people that are very successful with a specific like print MIS system, 
um, it isn't because they bought extra modules. It isn't because they, they did anything different with the vendor. What, it, what differentiates them is you walk in their building and you meet the people and those people actually know more about the software than some, some of the people that work at the vendor do. And it's because they've adopted that and they've truly learned how it works. And then because they knew how they figured out how, how that product works, they could make the best decisions for how does it work best for their company. Because software is really, it's just a tool. You have to learn how that tool works. And then you know how your business, how, how specifically your business runs, whether you're a wide format guy, a labels and packaging guy, or a, or a straight up commercial printer, or a mix of all three of those you, you kind of have to know both of those things. And so what happens is people don't usually have time to go dive deep and figure out how a system works. Um, I just wrote an article this week and what they think about kind of the different approaches Microsoft Outlook versus Google Gmail took to email. You really couldn't get any different, more different in the approaches. And if you don't learn how, if you're moving from Outlook to Gmail, if you don't learn how Google approach the problem, you can't, you cannot transition and go, I'm just going to make Gmail work like I, I'm going to work the exact same way I worked in Outlook and I'm going to work that way in Gmail. It won't work. So you have to learn. And so the questions I would ask you during this time, if you have, if you have people that have some, some availability, um, is who is your designated expert on your print MIS? And if you can't answer that question right off the top of your head, there's where you start. Uh, designate somebody to be your expert. And then ask them what, what part of the application do they feel the most unsure about? Where is their expertise lacking? And then, and then ask them to go learn that. And, and it is a self-discovery thing. You could go learn it by reaching out to the vendor. You can go learn it on looking at the documentation most of the vendors are putting out instructional videos. And then you can also go learn it just by going into the system and really taking some interrupted time, uninterrupted time to learn it. But here's the important part. I think the best way to learn it is to try and teach others. And so you go learn it and then you're, you go share what you learned with the other people on your team. So that really nails the learning because nothing learns, nothing you know, cements thing in your brain more than if you have to prepare to explain it to other people, and then you have to be prepared to answer their questions. So, so learning your, your, how your existing software works might be the biggest way to differentiate yourself. And this time where you might have people um, in the carpeted area of your business that are working from home and maybe not fully occupied would be a good time for them to dig in and learn the software better. So, that's a global recommendation. Um, my second global recommendation before we get into Jane has some very specific things by functional area of your business is that the print industry as a whole, and I am a part of it, so I will say I'm, I'm, I'm uh, also guilty of this, is we're too internally focused. We, we have, we, we focus all on generally too much on the production, on the floor, on how things are produced, and we don't focus enough on what's the customer's experience of buying print. Um, if you look at what's going on on the internet today, you can get a mortgage without talking to anybody. 
Um, so if we got to just throw out this thing that says print, we need to talk to the customers need to talk to me. The customers need human interaction. I need to explain things or I need to teach customers how to do how to how to um, order print. We will die on the vine if we keep that limiting belief because people are uh, the millennials are coming up and they're going to be in decision making roles soon and they go online and they expect everything to be able to be done online and for it to be very convenient. Think about how our customer expectations have changed. So I live in San Francisco. If I had a flight that left very early in the morning, I used to um, call a cab, which sounds funny now, right? And I would just call a cab and they said, yeah, we'll be there with no estimated time. And a lot of times they just didn't show up. And now if I press to get a Lyft driver and it's more than a three minute wait, I'm like, what is going on? What's, a, what's the problem here? And that three minute wait, I can see the little car coming towards me. Like think about the convenience difference and the level of expectation there. So from the customer's perspective, what's your end to end process? And by end to end, I mean from the time they inquire about an order all the way till they get invoiced. What, what's their experience? Because I guarantee you there's like 40 emails in there and maybe three phone calls. And that's just too much time. And so this is a great time to look at it and go, when a customer wants to place an order, what happens? What are all the steps? And you don't have to get technical about this. My favorite tool for doing this is Post-it notes. You know, just as the job travels all the way through your system, what's the customer's experience of it? get that down and, and then you should be um, a little bit set back by that. Like how many times, how many touch points a customer has to have with you in order just to get a job out the door. Um, so that would be the other global thing that you could do right now is get the customer's experience. And then, you know, after you have that document, you go, how can we make this easier on the customer? How can we cut down the number of times they have to touch us or we have to touch them? in order to build up more convenience because that's what's driving customer loyalty now. It's not visits from the sales reps, it's not donuts, it's not hockey tickets. It's um, how convenient and how much time are you saving me? Um, so I'm going to turn it over to Jane for a little bit because she has a lot of uh, examples and, and um, suggestions um, by the functional areas that are using your print MIS. So I'll turn it to Jane at this point. Thanks, Jen. So uh, really now, you know, we're in obviously unprecedented times. And obviously I think all of us are in a state of shock and confusion and uncertainty. And there's, there's a lot of uh, stuff that is out of our control in all of our areas right now. Um, but, you know, so you can only control what you can control in your, you know, your world, your company, and uh, sort of the inside forces within that company. And so, you know, one of the things that I see all the time that is interesting when I work with printers and when I go on site and just the reality of our business is that you never have the time to slow down. You, you know, if we're working with somebody on an implementation or, you know, a, a, some new workflow enhancements or whatever, the challenge is, is I always, you know, I use the analogy of a freight train. You're on a train and you're going down the track at high speed. And sometimes you're trying to jump to another track 
to, um, you know, implement a new, a new software or re-engineer re your software or whatever you're doing, and you never have the time to slow down. And as distracting as everything is right now, a lot of, not all print businesses, but a lot of businesses today have time to sort of regroup and take advantage of this time. And while, you know, anxiety is running high and, and you know, we're all so uncertain and unsure, you can actually channel some of that to better position you for when we come out of this. And, and really what's critical to, to leverage your MIS and get your MIS working for you as much as you possibly can is to get the data ready to go for when you come out of this and people are starting to, to ramp back up again. Um, so when we get to our new normal, whatever that's gonna look like, uh, you have tools to help you focus. So some of the next slides that we're gonna go in um, to, and Jen, if you wanna go to the next slide, um, they're very busy slides. So the point is I'm not gonna read through all of them. That's not my goal for today, but we knew we would be leaving you with this slide deck. So there's some meaty stuff on there for some examples that you can use um, or think through, but I'm gonna talk through each sort of series of, you know, each area about where, where I would target. Um, and, and, you know, I just on a sort of a more personal note, I went through uh, when I was uh, back running a large um, operations and technology group as vice president for a company in Canada back in 2013, our city experienced devastating floods. Um, I'm in Calgary and in 2013, the floods were overwhelming. Everything shut our city down. Um, it was suddenly so daunting we lost all of our business overnight and i mean obviously this is very different than what we're going through today but there were similar elements and how we sort of recovered and how not only did we help ourselves recover but helped provide benefit to our customers with through the data so we're going to talk through some of that positioning so um, we're going to start with accounting and or financial management because obviously that is really, really key right now. So again, this is really wordy. I apologize for that, but I'm going to talk higher level. So, you know, one of the things I see all the time on, on data implementations and, and it drives me crazy, but it's a lot of times the way it is, is when, as an example, you're implementing an MIS. That where you're going to implement your your financial package or your accounting as part of that. So maybe the MIS is going to handle the accounting or it's going to integrate to the accounting. Usually speaking, um, accounting is left out of most of those conversations until closer to go live. But the reality is in our world right now today, all of that data sitting in your financial, uh, you know, part of your business, whether it's the MIS, itself or the MIS talking to your financial system, this is critical today. You need to know what was happening in your business very clearly um, prior to, to everything that's going on with COVID-19. And the reason I say that is because a lot of times people run their business um, you know, you're looking at your P&L and you're looking at your, you know, how much money did we make this month and how, or how much money did we lose or, or whatever, but you don't really know proactively what's going on day to day. Um, you, we're often, from a financial perspective, looking more reactively. Well, what did our month end close at? What was our profit? What was, but, but the time you have now is so valuable to 
make sure that you are using your MIS tool or your financial um, system, depending where that data sits, to get yourself some good data that you can look at retroactively um, so you can prepare to go forward. Because obviously it's not going to be the same when we recover, like it's going to take a, you know, a while. But what you want to do is look at your 2019 data. Like if you take that data set as an example, when we, you know, before this COVID thing happened and the economy was stable or, or, or you know, the, that was the trend we were used to, um, because that's going to give you clues as to where you want to focus. So as an example, what you don't want to do is, you know, we all go back to work. You can hopefully, you know, all of your staff come back or a good chunk of your staff come back and the jobs start coming in. You're going to get your sales team out there. But, you know, if, if, you, if you realize that maybe this part of your business, um, like let's say you have some uh, part of your functional area or a particular product type as an example uh, that you really want to focus on, but you want to make sure you're focusing on things from a sales and marketing perspective that were profitable, not that we're gut feel profitable, but that we're data profitable. And so a lot of times, um, you know, there's this water cooler sort of uh, anecdotal, oh, well, for sure this, this area is profitable and, and that area isn't or whatever. And a lot of times when I work with customers and we get the data out, it's, it's not exactly what they thought it was. So, if you use your, your data that you have today from 2019 and you take all this time where you're stuck not being able to run the business the way you want to run your business, but you can grab out example, or get reporting done so you can go and say, well, look, let's see, who were our most profitable customers in 2019? What were our most profitable products? Uh, what's our average turn time on, on certain customer receivables? Because those are the, the areas you will then want to turn your focus because obviously you're going to want to maximize profit on whatever volume you get in coming forward. And you don't want to expend energy necessarily targeting things that, that weren't profitable in quote unquote normal times. So I would say really hone in on the financial data um, and, 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 and do not allow whether it be salespeople or um, you know, even your accounting managers or whatever, don't allow anybody to give you information from a non-data perspective because you're gonna have to make sure, because we're all gonna be very emotional right now coming out of this and while we're in it, but you've gotta, you've gotta go based on fact. And I used to have a rule when people would come and say, as an example, oh, production's screwing up all the time. That was you know, a common thing or whatever. It's like, you're not allowed to give me those um, statistics if there's not a data report to back it up. So really push and use the time to get some good reports built or look at your data, go through your data and position you well. Okay. Um, part of what you can be doing during this time that I think is really important is, is cleaning up your data. Uh, this is an area that generally speaking, what happens is when we go through an implementation with somebody, whatever software they're implementing or whatever, um, hopefully, and a lot of times, customers will do a really good job of cleaning up their data sets prior to implementation. That's usually pretty good. And then some customers are panicking and rushed and they don't. And so it kind of becomes a garbage in, garbage out scenario. But often, regardless of how you get implemented, whether that was one year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, is there's not a lot of ongoing curating of that data and cleaning up of that data. 
And so, you know, you end up with duplicates, you end up with customers that closed their doors years ago, you ended up with contacts that have moved and you never cleaned up those records. Um, now is a really great time if you have people that are still on payroll who um, have access to the system who can help you clean some of this stuff up. Because wherever you keep your customer profile information and your contact profile information, you probably want to make sure that is really, really organized and, and, and accurate for when maybe, you know, you're going to start marketing or reaching out or whatever um, when we're through this. So I would spend a lot of time focused on that. I would also spend time, another area I see this all the time, that where people will tell me, like I'll say something to somebody like, oh, can I see your inventory valuation report? And they'll say to me, oh, we don't use that. We keep this separate Excel sheet because we know that it's not totally accurate. So we actually, you know, we do counts, we manually update our spreadsheet, and blah, blah, blah. Use the time to clean up your inventory. Obviously, inventory is sitting on your books. Obviously, um, you know, there's all these things that impact your financials with inventory. So really important that you clean that up. Also really important that you look at your costing tied to inventory as well as other areas of the system that I'll talk about in a minute. But, you know, I just heard I was on a call yesterday with somebody and they're like, well, we haven't actually updated our paper prices in the system um, in three years and we've had four price increases. Well, that stuff right now is critical. It might not have been critical three months ago, but right now it's critical because you cannot afford to have any costing happening in your system where those prices aren't accurate, especially if the prices have gone up because you can't, you know, if, if you're paying X dollars per thousand, um, but in, in your system, that same item is, is underpriced you know, you, you're essentially paying your customers to use that paper in some cases. So, so you really want to make sure that's cleaned up and accurate. And, and the reason people don't do it is because they don't have time. Well, now you have the time and you want to maximize profitability. So make sure your inventory is cleaned up. Um, and it's tedious and it's a good thing to do when someone doesn't have a lot to do, but they're still on your payroll. So I would do that. Another thing that I would take the time for is if, if you know your income statement or your balance sheets have been bugging you for a, a while not in terms of the con like the actual numbers but in terms of how the gls look and flow also a great thing that can be done right now to sort of reset some of that um and and get yourself a more accurate or a more current p l in terms of how you want things to look on there and you know functional areas or whatever um, and then just, you know, you're going to see a theme throughout this uh, uh, that we talk about uh, standard operating procedures. Printers, again, because we're so busy, generally speaking, I would say most printers, um, you know, run their procedures based on the intellectual capital inside people's heads. Um, so, you know, your top CSR goes on vacation and then no one really knows what's the right process for this exception customer we have over here. So in all areas particularly in accounting as a good example is you want to have standard operating procedures so how do you close month end um, how do you um, deal with credit memos how do you whatever procedure you have it should be written down and now's the time where you can take some of your accounting staff or your accounting manager or whatever and get those written up it helps for training and onboarding down the road 
if you, you know, when and if you need to do that. Um, you want to make sure the procedures are tight so things can be done faster. Efficiency is going to be everything when we come out of this. Um, and again, you know, metrics for how, how you want to monitor month end, close month end. How do you know when you, you know, checklists for have all of your prepaids gone in. All of those kinds of things because what's going to be critical is, you know, we really need to make sure that the March financials coming out of the system are quick and accurate and, and every month going forward. So I would spend time in that area. So there's, there's so many places you can go on the finance side to enhance your data um, access, usage, reliance, and, and just, you know, one thing on this uh, in the accounting area look at all the spreadsheets you're using and see what you can do to get those back into the MIS. When I'm doing an audit for somebody and I go on site, I'm chasing spreadsheets. Why do you have this spreadsheet? Why is, aren't you getting this data out of your MIS? Why can't you get it out of your MIS? So if you can look at that, um, at those sort of data tools you're using to have to keep the MIS, uh, to, because you can't rely on the MIS in it of itself, um, Figure out now is the time to figure out why and what can you do to make your MIS return the investment to you that, you know, for the money you spent. I put, put this in for purchasing because I think purchasing is going to be so critical moving forward. Um, it, you know, you want to make sure, obviously, that all of your receipts are up to date and, and that you can rely on your purchase order accrual reports because you need to know what AP isn't in that that is going to come in because you have to assume that you know a lot of your customers are slowed down right now so they may not you know their their own process of sending invoices out might be slowed down as much as everybody's trying to go fast on that the reality is some customers will not be moving quickly um and so you need to know if you know um if you have uh, a PO out somewhere, sorry, with a vendor, I was saying customer, but if you have a PO with a vendor and, um, you know, you forget, you can't lose sight of it because you might get a bill in late April that normally might be coming in right now. So, so you need to know what, what bills are out there. So I would make sure your PO receipts are up to date. I would clean all of that up. I would be looking through my accruals and monitoring them closely. I think that's really important. The other thing is, is, you know, a lot of times um, I only see uh, purchase order controls in really in, in larger print companies. However, I think right now uh, purchase order control is going to be critical no matter what your size is. And so moving forward, a lot of the MIS systems today um, have inherent purchase order control functionality. And if they do, I would look at turning that on if you haven't already and, and, you know, communicating to your teams that moving forward, we're going to, you know, we need to tighten up the purchase order process. So, i.e. only certain people can cut uh, POs uh, that there's or that there's a threshold limit. So maybe this group can cut a PO up to $500, but beyond that, it has to go for approval automatically. If you have a system that doesn't have those inherent controls, you might want to just incorporate a written standard, you know, procedure that you have to sign off on all POs going out or something. Because purchase orders are, um, 
you know, that's directly going to impact your cash flow. So anything you can do to control purchasing, I think is key in print because we have such big expenses to do with paper and everything going out. So I would, I would monitor that closely. And I think Jen was going to chat about this customer service. Yep. Yep. So, um, this is, this is one of my, um, this is the area that I think that most of the industry, there's the most to gain here. I think it's, an, it's a part of the, it, you know, it's in the carpeted area of the print shop, and it's where we've just basically been, we've given them three tools, uh, email, a phone, and a fax to communicate with customers, and, um, and that hasn't changed in decades. And all these other technology tools have come to bear um, on, in all different industries, and we're still relying, 95% of, of orders that come into printers are coming from email. And so, um, and part of that is that we haven't sat down and like, and like, like Jane said, your top CSR is out for a while and nobody seems to know it because all the processes are in their heads, not documented anywhere. And everybody thinks it's like some sort of secret sauce and it can't, and it can't be documented or, or processed. But um, order entry is critical. That's, that's the, you've won the customer from a sales standpoint and they want to get their order processed. And so um, one of the things is just, and people resist this, is just document how it works today. And uh, Jane and I were at a printer a couple years ago, and we tried to document this. And like after the 46th um, uh, post-it note, you know, the owner just stood up and said, I can't do this. Like, it's just too painful. <laughs> and, and he was just being uh, honest with us is like, wow, we put our customers through this. And so um, this is a great time for CSRs. The CSR team is probably not that as busy, maybe. They're, and they're probably working from home. But just ask them to, 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 to say, what is the process when an order comes through? And, the, and there's not going to just be one process, right? For, so customer needs to reorder something. Customer has a brand new order. Customer needs an estimate. Customer needs artwork approval. There's all kinds of, of different paths through. But the first step is just getting those, writing those down. And then, um, and then what is your order entry, um, uh, you know, what is all the different ways that you receive orders? Um, a lot of people go, oh, my God, we receive orders in like 100 different ways. I'm like, name them, write them down, <laughs> you know, because some of them, you don't need to have 100 different ways to, to, to receive orders. You probably need like five. And, and if, you, if you can probably move the other 95 into those five, and make it so the customer service people aren't having to juggle so much. Um, if they are using an email, then it, you know, getting that clean and organized and proper archiving. And I like the idea of, of creating group email addresses so that when somebody's out, they don't, somebody doesn't have to log into their other personal's email, person's email, but they get the, the group email just continues to, you know, the, the system should operate even if you pull key people out and bring them back in at different times. So, and then the other thing is just, just checking in from a, from a human standpoint with your top customers, because when we've done analyzation of this area, you know, and so I've looked at the emails going back and forth about a job, trying to figure out why does it take 12 emails to get to the job specs and stuff. And, and what I found is there's a lot of personal communication there too. 
and that these people have been working with each other for a long time. And so, um, you know, I would encourage you, I know that lots of printers are putting out formal messages from their top people, but I would also encourage you to put out, you know, person to person messages from the people, you know, who interact with your customers every day at a different level. Um, so on the sales part, um, one of the things we see missing in almost every printer is that the salespeople don't know how to demonstrate a web to print, the web to print solution, or there's not a really good web to print demo solution set up. Um, we never suggest that you go out and demonstrate your web to print solution and show another customer's products. It's just a recipe for disaster because you want to be seen as somebody that is holding any information confidential and you could accidentally show somebody something that they're a competitor of. And so a demonstration site on your web to print system takes some thought and effort and it's one of those things that's very valuable but often doesn't get prioritized because there's more important fires to put out. And so you could do the configuration of that because the people that do your web to print stores right now are probably maybe not busy putting up new stores so they could focus on doing a demonstration site. And then once they have it, every salesperson should be able to do the demo themselves. I am really a big a proponent of this. If your salespeople can't learn how to place an order and show the customer how to place an order, then then you're really they're not how are they going to be able to sell it if they can't if they can't do it and it might be a little bit of a struggle for people who aren't used to technology or just more old school but force them to do it because it'll make them better salespeople once they understand how how easy it is um the other pain point we see often is that is that you know um i say i say estimating is a race um that's just a that's a core belief of mine and I'll tell you where I got that, that belief. People think I go into estimators and estimators talk to me about the craft of, of you know, job planning and optimizing the press and all this stuff. And I have a lot of respect for that skill set. I do. But estimating's a race. And if you are sitting around crafting your estimates for three days, you lost the race. Um, and I'll never forget this, this experience I had. I was sitting across from the procurement officer at one of the major banks in the United States, he has um, uh, procurement responsibilities in the B's, billions. And, um, and he, he was so mad about the print part of this that he uh, wanted specifically uh, help with the print part of it. And he said to me, his global procurement organization has a, has a policy, three, three, you have to get three bids for everything. And he said, but Jennifer, what's really important is nobody waits for the second and third bid. So what does that tell you? It's a race. And if you get in 20 minutes before the next guy and you're off by 1%, you know, I think that's what's happening is estimators think they have to do it down to the penny and it's an estimate and it's a race. And if you miss it by that 20 minutes, you miss the chance. It's already been, you know, paperwork wise, they say they're going out for three vendors, but nobody said they had to look at all three of them. Um, so speed of estimating is really important. And so, and part of the speed means you've got to push it back on the salespeople to get you accurate information quickly. And so if the, if the salespeople want it faster, they got to do more work and get more current information in there. Um, the prospects database is always a mess and it's usually tied up in people's, 
it's in individual sales reps' um, devices or inboxes or contacts, um, and nobody ever has time. And now I'd imagine sales has slowed down quite a bit because it's not really, um, there's not, unless you're in pharmaceutical uh, packaging or things like that. Um, so this would be a good time for everybody to get the prospects list and then look at them and find patterns and group things like, like why salespeople should be selling to the same sort of segments over and over again. So when you learn about the healthcare industry and what they need, that you can go and sell that to other things. I mean, I found that the best sales teams are ones that find patterns and then go replicate successes over and over again. Um, so you, it, for the printers that have a web to print system, you have somebody in your organization that does the administration of that. Um, and I guarantee you that they, they could use this time to write down the processes. When, I, when I'm putting up a new store on the web to print system, what do I do? And if those processes aren't documented, then get them documented and get them documented so somebody else could do the next one. I mean, just sort of getting rid of this single point of failure. I love these two different business process software solutions. I've used them both. I love them both. And it's just a personal preference. But what they do is they allow you to define a process and then create a checklist. So you define the process for creating a new web to print system. And then, and then every time you have a new one in, you just start a new checklist based on that process. And you just go through it. We use it for complex software um, uh, upgrades. So there might be like we have one software upgrade that takes it's 47 different steps done by six different six different people working at three different organizations. And we have flawless software releases because we just start the checklist and everybody just does it in their order. And it's very predictable. And every time we do a release, we have a little meeting afterwards to go, what's changed? Oh, so so-and-so has to do this to the database. And so we add that in. And so the next time we do the checklist, it's a little better and, and it keeps, so it keeps getting better and we have something to judge it against. Because if something goes wrong, we don't look at people, we look at the process and go, wait, how did that go wrong? It's in, it's, it's, oh, it's not in the process. That's why it went wrong. But if it goes wrong and it was in the process, then you just have a person not following the process. So um, it's a great time to do this as well. And they're, they're quite affordable, like these, these applications are just web-based applications that you can use in, you know, under 100 bucks or something uh, um, to, to, like, to subscribe to. So I'll turn it back to Jane for production management. Yeah, so, you know, more along the same trend as what we were talking about earlier is um, your data is really important, and I think uh, this is also an area where, you know, legacy speaking, we haven't really done necessarily a great job on, on managing um, the data or being able to have the data and make proactive decisions. And a lot of times, you know, if a company is using scheduling, they, they sort of think they don't have to do other production management, uh, you know, use other production management tools or reports or data or whatever. And really, um, you know, when you get back up to full steam or you're ready to get back up to full steam um, and maybe your customers aren't yet, you know, things like capacity planning, how quick can we get jobs in and get jobs out, 
um, you know, what slows us down, all of those things are going to be important. So, you know, one of the things I'm a big advocate of in normal times, but especially now, I even more so, is, is things like when there's a problem job or a job goes on hold. Uh, how do you monitor that? How do you follow up on that? How do you manage that? Because, uh, you know, whenever I, I work with a customer on something like this, and, you, you know, there's times where uh, you can see people are, are literally sitting on thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of jobs that have gone on hold for weeks. And while we're waiting, well, that's that could be money in your pocket. Same thing on proof approvals and, and proof returns. So anything you can do to speed up uh, how to get jobs through your plant is, you know, you want the data to help enable that because the rule is the faster you get it out, the more that can come in. And, and so you also are going to need to really carefully as you restart look at things like capacity and, and, you know, so you can make good labor decisions and what's your, um, your labor, your actual labor on jobs versus the estimated, because you're going to need to have a really close handle on that. And so anything you can do now to arm you with that data, you know, in six weeks or two months or whatever is going to be really helpful. So I think that's key. Um, again, standard operating procedures, I won't, you know, same thing we've talked about in every area. Do you have old stock you need to get rid of? Do you have things that you were getting ready to implement you didn't quite get to, like barcode scanning or cheat sheets? Anything like that could help you now for later. So I would just focus in those areas of efficiency gains, monitoring, everything to do with, you know, that can speed up your production management in turn time and quality, of course. Um, estimating, so Jen touched on this, on the sales part, but I think, you know, just quickly, uh, speed is everything. Um, one thing, I touched on it with paper, but I would be looking at, you know, if you do cost plus estimating, I would be looking at your budgeted hourly rate, making sure right now that you have everything in there that should be in there because you can't afford to be uh, not making money or losing money. Um, you know, can you create templates for things to speed you up? Can you, um, how do you monitor which estimates you've won, which ones are still pending? You know, if you have somebody that's submitted out an estimate for $10,000, you don't want that to sit, you know, not being followed up on for indefinitely. You want people being able to chase that quickly. So anything you can do to speed up your estimates going out, you have to have a tight process here. This is often a problem area. So anything you can do now to make things run more efficiently, and make sure the costing is good, I, I would spend a lot of time on that right now. Jen, I think, oh, I think that was it for our slides there. Yep, so, uh, if, and Ginger, I don't know if there's been any questions of, um, we can answer now or we can just talk through this last slide. Uh, we have one question here, let's see. It says, you work with printers, what are you seeing as far as their software activities now? Are they mostly using the time to invest their time and resources to upgrade or are they holding off? Um, I mean, that's a good question is that uh, Jane just did a major, a major go live for an accounting cutover. Like, so that's a major, major thing. And, you know, if you think about it, that's, it's a good time to do that because it's, people aren't crazy, you know? Um, so I, I would say one of the big things I would suggest is take upgrades, 
of your software right now, it's really good. I have another printer who's thinking about, um, for cost savings, moving a lot of his hosting from Amazon Web Services down into, into their building and, you know, to try and cut costs. And, and it's like, um, you know, there's, there's ramifications of that, but what I said to them was, if you're going to do it, do it now. Don't, don't wait another month because the last thing you want to do is be trying to do some sort of major move like that when the economy starts picking up again and there's a lot of demands on that team. Right now, your, their IT team can focus on it. So it really depends, you know, it really depends how the business came into this crisis, right? I have, I'll just give you two examples. I wrote about this on, in what they think. I had two companies both doing a big software projects with us. Um, one company came into the crisis in, in, you know, not in, like, didn't have a lot of, um, let's just say, backstop. You know, they needed that regular cash flow coming in to support everything. And the other company, their busy season just ended in January. So they were in a huge busy season. They're normally a normal, their, their brand of business, their busy season ends in January. And so their, their busy season won't kick up again until fall. And so, and they had it budgeted for us to be working on this very big software project all the way through the year. They increased their team. And they're looking at this as, oh my God, we could get everything done before we can get everything done. And the reason they can get even more done is not because of us, but because their internal team has more cycles to work with us because they're not freaked by, you know, they're not doing all the normal business. They're all working from home. We personally like when, when the, the people we need to talk to are start to work from home, they're more available to us, right? Because they're not getting interrupted for jobs or other firefighting. So um, we're seeing all kinds of things. And then, you know, we're seeing the worst things, people getting furloughed, people losing their jobs, people, it's, it's across the board. I mean, I was talking to somebody who was, we were on the brink of doing a very, very strategic project, you know, and he just emailed me today and said, I'm no longer with the company. So it's, it's all, it's just all across the board. I, I, the, the, the printers who came into this have a little bit of leeway, have a little cushion, um, can, can survive during it. They're seeing this as a time where they can get some of the stuff done that Jane and I have been talking, but some people are in complete panic mode. And if I could just touch, just add to that quickly on the point upgrades, one, one other advantage, if you had some, whether it's a major upgrade or a point upgrade that you were thinking about and, and sort of holding off because we're always holding off because it's busy. One other advantage you have, if you can cross the finish line on that right now is the vendors are quiet. None of the vendor professional services people are traveling. And so a lot of times when you have your lead consultant or whatever, you're, you're confined to when they can talk to you because they're on the road for three or four days or whatever it is. We're seeing now and hearing from our customers that, you know, the vendor support is, is, is so quick because they're all working from home offices and stuff as well. So that is an advantage if you're debating whether to do a, a point upgrade. And then, of course, you can get all the kinks out of it while you're, you know, while we're in this current state. All right. It looks like we have another question. It says, 
Does it seem like a lot of printers are moving toward offering B2C products now that a lot of their commercial clients are quiet? I, I, I haven't personally seen that, but it's um, because, but I can't, you know, we don't have a huge data set either. So take that with a grain of salt. It's not like we're working with thousands of people. Um, I think going, it's like going business to consumer or uh, direct, it, it sounds like a good idea. It sounds like, oh my God, I got to go get business from somewhere. But um, I've been saying this for a long time. It's like get, you know, a lot of printers aren't, aren't having their business customers order from them online. And that's a big leap to go, oh, and now I want to do business with strangers. Like, that's what it is going direct to consumers is doing business with strangers. And the first thing you think of is like, they need to pay up front with a credit card. Yes, that makes sense. But you, your systems need to be set up to take a lot of small orders um, from people you don't know. And so it, there's a lot to think through there. Um, and it's, it's changes. It, it, it touches almost every corner of your print business. So it's, it's not an easy thing to do overnight. Um, you know, and mostly I always suggest, you know, if people, I'm not saying that people shouldn't do it because there's a lot of people that have been very successful online, but, um, that success costs money, you know, so I'll give you an example. We worked, we built a, a business to consumer site for the labels and packaging space. That gentleman spends a thousand dollars a day on Google AdWords, thousand dollars a day. <laughs> and he's making a killing but he's investing a lot of money in that. And that's where I think people don't understand is that people don't come to your website. Um, you have to pay, pay to get them there. And that toll is taken by Google or the social media companies. The reason Google and Facebook have billions of dollars is that they control the traffic and you got to pay for that traffic. It's a toll. Um, and so that uh, it's a, it, it to attract the you know strangers to your website it takes you either pay for it or you're so good at search engine optimization that you show up top but even that's like it's crazy what google's doing because there's so many ads that even the top top organic search guy is still almost below the fold now uh, and below the fold is sort of aging us like you know in the world of mobile but you know what i mean like your screen you have to scroll down I mean, Google has put so many ads up top that you really have to pay for the traffic now, and it's expensive. All right, we have a couple of other questions uh, before we hit the top of the hour. Uh, what kinds of tools do you see other printers using to monitor production and job progress, especially now with so many people working from home? Um, so, so really, I think uh, a lot of that is, uh, you know, if you have an MIS system and it's a, you know, a, a newer system, I'll say in the last five years, uh, generally speaking, people are leveraging the tools within the MIS to, you know, look at that data, whether it's a scheduling tool, a query tool, or whatever, um, or even reporting. Uh, that's generally what I see. I think, so customers that don't have, of course, you know, we know that some customers don't have that um, uh, technology inherent in the MIS if they use an older MIS or they don't have an MIS. Uh, what I would recommend right now with people working from home, if you don't have access to, to that 
technology is to make sure whatever you're doing to monitor um, that you are using a shared um, format. So as an example, I do, you know, I have worked with customers who don't have the technology. So they, you know, we got them to start using Google Sheets as an example. So they're tracking jobs um, without the benefit of a, you know, a, a technology, a print technology tool. So they'll use something like uh, Google Sheets to basically um, make sure they're all from home, from whoever is in the plant, are looking at the same thing. The worst thing you can do is start sending files around by email because then you're, you know, it's what's current, what's not, blah, blah, blah. So if you don't have an MIS that can do it for you, use, use a collaborative tool like Google Sheets, easy to use, you know, pretty much free. Um, if, you, if you have your MIS, make sure that, you know, again, go back, you know, talk to your administrator of the system and make sure you've got queries coming forward. I would, in, within the confines of that, I'd be looking at um, building sort of query queues, if you will, for, you know, what's coming at the print uh, devices, what's coming at finishing, what's, you know, what's due to go out today. I would be leveraging um, those those cues to look at that, and, and generally speaking, you know the 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 larger um, you know Avanti, Pace, Arstern, they have those kind of um, abilities within the system. Great, thank you for that. If uh, if if you have a follow up question, please feel free to post it. We've got one more question here, and it says, "Do you advise clients?" on how to start doing work with government agencies? Um, I don't, uh, I have, I, I'm a government contractor. I have, I've had a government contract with um, the Department of Defense for 10 years. And um, so I don't advise others to do it. I, I know how I've been doing it. Um, and so it's, a, it's kind of a different model of working. Um, and and you have to you have to be patient with a lot of bureaucracy, but there is there are rewards to it, of course, because um, my Department of Defense contract is not impacted by the COVID-19, nor is it impacted when the economy goes up or down. Um, so, uh, one of the things that I I'll just tell a few things. It's a real advantage to be um, to either be partnered with or be or be a woman-owned or minority-owned minority small business when working with the government. And, um, and then the other thing is that you have to understand that the government is looking, uh, price is a huge, huge um, part of their buying uh, process. And so it can be, it can be discouraging because you don't get the commercial prices that you're used to. Um, and I would just, uh, there are some, uh, there's some, there's a lot of good uh, support for it. If you look at, there's a lot of people that publish on LinkedIn who are government uh, contracting experts, but there's also a lot of snakes out there that are just trying to take people's money for doing stuff that you can do yourself. So those are just my words of warning um, in going into the, into the US government work. Okay, great. Hopefully that answered the beginning of that question. As I mentioned uh, when we joined, uh, if you have other questions while you're reviewing the recording or the PowerPoint, you can please ask them. You can send them to hello at dscoop.org or post on our forum. We also have a hotline if you have other questions, if you need connections, looking to fulfill a job, 
uh, operator questions. Our team is monitoring those questions and comments, especially right now. Our response time is, uh, we're trying to be very fast within about four hours, at least leading you to the right answer. As you sign off today, we thank you for joining us. There's a quick uh, survey, if you wouldn't mind answering that. We're adding new webcasts each week and we'd love to hear what topics are of interest to you. We've got a lot of experts and technical trainers who are available to help us with education and support at this time. And you can see Jennifer's email address up there if you have additional questions that you wanna ask her directly. So thank you so much for joining us today and we will look for you on dscoop.com.